Welcome to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am planning my own unconventional budget micro-wedding in the middle of a pandemic. If you don't feel represented in mainstream wedding media, if you haven't been dreaming about your wedding day since you were six years old, and if you don't want to have an Instagram wedding, then you are in the right place. Hello and welcome back to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. Today's episode is all about pre-wedding events. So your engagement parties, bachelor bachelorette parties, showers, rehearsal dinners, all that good stuff. And looking at some more unconventional ways of holding these events, hosting these events, things you can do instead of what you would usually see if you Googled (laughs) wedding um, shower or if you typed in a bachelorette party into Instagram. (laughs) Things that wouldn't usually come up. Um, And first of all, I want to shout out uh, Megan S., who is a listener who actually submitted this idea um, as something that I could do on the podcast. So thank you so much, Megan, for this idea. Um, I also want to say that, of course, my definition of unconventional may not be the same as yours. So you may be hearing some of these ideas and saying, like, okay, that's, you know, that's super boring. That's super conventional. Why would anyone do that? Um, Which is totally fine. (laughs) I also think Google is really going to be your friend here if you're looking for just really unique ideas. If you want to do something that no one's ever done before or you're just totally stumped and you know that you want to have a bachelor party, but you don't want to do, you know, strippers in Vegas, um, you know, what what can you do? I'm sure you can Google unique bachelor party ideas and Google's going to give you hundreds of thousands of different options. So this isn't going to be an episode where I rattle off like 110 different things you can do instead of going to Vegas for your bachelor or bachelorette party. Um, More, I'm just going to give you some like broader ideas, some more like unconventional ways of looking at these events to sort of get your creativity flowing and just push back on some of the traditions or some of the things you might have seen in more like mainstream wedding media. So if that sounds good, let's dive right in, starting with the engagement party. So the first thing I have to say, and I'm going to say this a lot this episode, you don't have to have an engagement party. If you are stressing out about it, if you don't want to host it, if no one else wants to host it, you don't know what to do for it, you don't want to spend money on it, you definitely do not have to have one. Um, Completely optional. There's really not like a, you know, for the rehearsal dinner, it's very much about like thanking your wedding party for being there for you. Um, You know, it's something you do after the rehearsal to sort of like take everyone out for dinner. Um, You know, the bachelor bachelorette party is sort of that like last hurrah with your friends, whereas the engagement party, not to say there's not a point to it, because of course, it is celebrating the fact that you got engaged, which is exciting. Um, But it's definitely not a mandatory event. So if this one is stressing you out, definitely feel free to let it go. (laughs) If uh, you do want to have an engagement party, which again is totally fine, I suggest making it pretty casual. I know there's a um, trend, I guess, recently to make engagement parties like more upscale, sort of, you know, cocktail attire, people showing up all dressed up, getting hair and makeup done, bringing large gifts, um, and people really putting on a bit of a show. And I think one of the biggest issues with these pre-wedding events is they all start to become mini weddings. Like that's how much time and money and effort goes into them all. Um, and just for me personally, I think that is a good way to spend a lot of money, (laughs) Um, spend a lot of money. And it also kind of takes away from the wedding day. If all of the other events are, you know, just as big, 
um, causing you just as much stress. Like, ugh, I can't, I mean, as much as I loved my wedding, there were definitely moments where I was like, this is not fun to plan. Like I do not enjoy looking up where I can rent, um, you know, flower stands for the ceremony or chairs or things like that. And to have to do that like six separate times for six different events just sounds like an absolute nightmare. So I suggest going casual, um, you know, save that formality, save the gifts, save the nice hair and the makeup and all that for your wedding day. Um, make it super casual. It doesn't need to be this really formal black tie affair. I also suggest not actually talking about your wedding if you don't have firm wedding plans yet. I think this is one of the reasons why um, I personally didn't want to do an engagement party. My partner and I already knew when we got engaged that we wanted our wedding to be really small. Um, as I've shared on the podcast before, we ended up having 21 guests. So the idea of having an engagement party with more than just those 21 people seemed really awkward to me, like to be able, you know, to have those people over and say, oh, come and celebrate our engagement, you know, bring us a gift, come raise a glass, come talk to us all about the wedding. And then, oh, by the way, you're not invited though. <laughs> it's just weird. And I know some people are totally fine with that. And most people, when they have engagement parties, they don't have firm wedding plans yet. So, it, you know, it might happen. You might have 200 people at your giant engagement party and only end up with 100 people at your wedding. And some people aren't going to make it. And some people are going to be bitter about that. And other people, I hope, are just going to be happy for you and totally understand that, you know, wedding plans changed. But I will say, if you are having an engagement party and, you know, you know people are going to be there who aren't going to be at the wedding or you just don't have firm wedding plans yet, try not to talk in any sort of like final, finality, final, <laughs> try not to talk in, in terms of like, you know, really strict, firm, planned uh, wedding ideas. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't run around the engagement party saying like, oh my gosh, you guys should all come to the wedding dressed in blue. It's going to be so funny. You can be my something blue or, um, you know, asking a bunch of people to be in your wedding party or giving them different roles for the wedding or promising them a great table or saying, oh, for sure, I'm going to use your the baker that you recommended or like, oh, definitely give me the number of your favorite florist. I'll book with them for sure. Anything like that. Just don't make any commitments. <laughs> the engagement party is all about your commitment to be married to each other. That's it. That's the only commitment you've made. And I think you can even make a joke of that. Like I'm sure people will come up to you at the party and say, Oh my gosh, tell us, you know, what's the plan? What's the wedding going to look like? When is it? Should I save the date? Should I get time off work? And you can literally just say like, you know what? The only thing we've committed to so far is each other. Ha ha ha. Like, Oh, we're just so excited to be engaged. Like no plans yet. We're just so excited. Just keep bringing it back to the engagement. The fact that you're together, because that's the whole point of the party, right? Like it shouldn't be an interrogation about your wedding plans. And I think that happens at a lot of engagement parties, which makes sense, right? Because people are literally celebrating the fact that the two of you are going to get married. Of course, they're going to want to ask about that, that marriage, that wedding, but try to bring it back to just the two of you. An engagement party is a really awesome event to let a family member host. So if you have a super eager, um, you know, dad or mother-in-law or aunt or godparent or whoever, who's like, oh my gosh, look, can I throw you an engagement party? And if you don't care, just be like, absolutely go for it. You know, run with it, your thing. Don't even check in with me. Just tell me when I'll put it in the calendar. I will be there. I think that's a really great way to let uh, some family members get involved and sort of take the stress right off of your shoulders. If uh, no one wants to host it and you end up having to host it yourself, I think you can definitely make it super casual. It doesn't need to be this big party where, you know, you rent out a hall or a room or a restaurant or anything like that. It can literally be, hey, Taylor and I are going to be at this bar celebrating our engagement. Stop by, buy us a drink. You know, like 
grab a shot with us. Or, hey, we're having a backyard barbecue this Saturday. BYOB, come celebrate our engagement. Or we're going to hang out on the beach this weekend. Bring a blanket, bring a picnic. We'll be there. Hey, we're making cocktails in the living room. We'd love for you to come over. We're, you know, we're doing tea and cake. We're having a Sunday brunch, whatever it is. It does not have to be a huge, hey, let's host this big party, pay, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars to give everyone a meal and a fancy dessert and, un, you know, open bar and all things like that. It really does not need to be that. Just think back to the purpose. Like, what is the purpose of this event? The purpose really is to pe for people to celebrate your engagement with you, to congratulate you on your engagement, to be excited for this next phase of your life. So you want to be in a space where you can connect with people, where you can chat with them. So you don't want it to be like, you know, you wouldn't say, let's go celebrate our engagement at a movie where we all have to be quiet and just stare at the screen. You want to be able to chat with people, but it can definitely be a super casual, low-key event. It doesn't need to be hosting, you know, a big meal or a big party. I actually love the idea idea of just saying like, hey, we're going to be at this bar, come buy us a drink. I think that's super fun um, and would be kind of exactly how I would want to celebrate <laughs> my engagement. Um, my partner and I did not have an engagement party, but on the day of our engagement, after we got engaged, we got engaged at like the top of a mountain, really beautiful lookout. And then we came back into the little town where we were staying and we did like a brewery crawl. And we went to all the different craft breweries in town, trying the different beers, listening to live music. And then we got sushi which is my favorite meal. We got takeout sushi and we ate it in bed in our hotel room watching Schitt's Creek. And I really cannot think of a better way to celebrate my engagement. So if I had to have an engagement party, it would probably be mimicking that as closely as possible. All right, moving on to the next pre-wedding event, we're looking at the wedding shower. So once again, this is totally optional. You do not need to have a shower. Um, traditionally, these are called bridal showers, and it's just for the bride, and it's usually hosted by the mother of the bride. Sometimes the maid of honor will also get involved, but it's usually the bride's family hosting an event that sort of celebrates the bride, and it's usually just women who are, in inv are invited. And back in the day, it would be all about sort of, um, oh, we need to give this woman everything she needs to go into her marriage. You know, she's never lived outside of the home before. So it's like a lot of things like, oh, here we bought you this beautiful crock pot or this, you know, blender for your kitchen, some some new towels you can bring into your family home. Sometimes people would get a little racy, you know, lingerie gets given. That's usually saved for the bachelorette party. Um, but traditionally, that's what it was. Lots of think, you know, pastel colors, <laughs> tiny little finger sandwiches, all the ants, people sitting in a circle watching the bride open gifts. And if you are cringing <laughs> at that image as hard as I am, then you are not alone. Um, I think the outdated, just, you know, single gendered bridal shower does not need to exist. And if this is something that you want, amazing. If you and your family are into it, awesome. I think you can definitely make this event way more inclusive and basically just make it a celebration of the two of you. I think calling it a wedding shower instead of a bridal shower is awesome. I think including both um, members of the couple, whether it's two brides, two grooms, a groom and a bride, however you identify, I think that's amazing. I don't understand why just one person would of the couple would want to be celebrated um, and opening it up to, to everyone when you invite people it doesn't have to just be, you know, the aunts and the female relatives. I think it can be everyone. I love the idea of this just being like a celebration of your marriage with family as opposed to the, you know, bachelor bachelorette parties, which is usually with friends. So that would be my definition of what a good wedding party would be. <laughs> just like a family celebration of your upcoming wedding. And again, if you're like, 
why do I need that? You definitely don't. Feel free to skip it. Absolutely no problem. Um, this is another one that is great to let a family member run with. So if you don't care at all what your wedding shower or bridal shower, whatever you, you're calling it, if you don't care what that looks like, um, but you have a really eager uncle or aunt or mother or mother-in-law, father, whoever, who wants to plan it, let them run with it. Totally, totally let them run with it. My mother-in-law actually wanted to plan one for me and I kind of shut it down. <laughs> I was like, no, thanks. <laughs> Not interested in that. Um, and what we ended up doing was sort of informal. It wasn't, we didn't bill it as a wedding shower, but it kind of, you know, my mom likes to say that that was my shower. What we did was the day before the wedding, we had many petties for, we did invite the guys. We, we did make it inclusive, but uh, they didn't take us up on the offer. So it ended up being me, my mom, and a handful of other people, mother-in-law, aunt-in-law, sister, stepmom, a good friend from out of town. So uh, I don't know, six or seven of us who all went out and got our nails done. And then afterwards we went out for happy hour and we met up with, um, a few other relatives. All the guys came and joined us for that part. And there's maybe 15 of us or so at happy hour. And that to me was like the perfect wedding shower. I got to spend time with some of my favorite people, you know, before the wedding doing wedding related things like getting our nails done, which is really exciting. And I got to spend time with people who were coming in from out of town and just, you know, sit down with them you know, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we're so excited for the wedding tomorrow. Isn't this happy hour beer so delicious? <laughs> that sort of thing. That was perfect for me. And I think you can definitely do something like that. It does not need to be this stuffy event where you rent out like a ballroom and there's a bunch of tables and you have, you know, all this really fancy, dainty little decor and people sit in a circle and watch you open gifts. Like I really don't think your wedding shower needs to be that. It can be low key. It can be really casual. It can just sort of fit your personality, right? Like you could have a pool party. Um, if you've got like a pool in your house or your building or a neighborhood pool or something like that, you could do a barbecue. You could, um, if you've got like a really great kitchen, you can have everyone come over and you can like bake together. I think that would be a really fun thing to do if you had like five or six different relatives. Um, it can be small. It doesn't have to be 30, 40, 50 plus people celebrating you. It can just be a small group of people that you want to hang out with. It can be any meal, lunch, dinner, brunch, breakfast, tea, dessert, uh, late night cocktails. You can go out to your favorite restaurant. It can be an activity if you want to go do one of those like paint nights or something like that. I think there's a lot of room with the wedding shower to sort of be creative and push out against the mold. And I think the idea here for me, at least, is just it's connecting with friends and family before the wedding in a way that's a little bit more um, maybe G-rated than a bachelor or bachelorette party might be. It's a little bit more about just those bonds. Actually, I love the idea of it being, you know, you and your aunts and your cousins all in like your grandma's kitchen and she's passing on some recipes. Like that sounds like a, a great wedding shower to me. Um, so have fun with that. I think there's a lot of room for creativity there and really making the wedding shower what you want it to be. And again, if you don't care at all, but you have a family member who really does care, then let them run with it. And even if it ends up being a little bit more traditional, if you don't mind, then I think that is completely fine. This wouldn't be personally for me, this wouldn't be the hill I would die on. I probably would push for it to be more inclusive because that's something that matters to me. But if you were totally fine with it just being, you know, just the women or whoever, um, that's that's your call and that's totally fine. All right, moving on, the next pre-wedding event we have is the bachelor or bachelorette party. So once again, this is totally optional. Uh, my partner and I opted out just, you know, with our personalities, we are not the type to, you know, go out and want to do all night drinking with big groups of people. That's totally not our thing. 
Um, we also, you know, got married in the middle of COVID. So it wasn't really a situation where we wanted to run off to another place and force our friends to, to go and do that with us. We also had a very small wedding. So we didn't want to invite a bunch of people on the bachelor or bachelorette weekends who were not going to be invited to the wedding. Um, so we totally skipped it. You are also welcome to skip it. If you don't want to skip it, what you can do is you can do a joint one. There are lots of, um, lots of people who do joint bachelor and bachelorette parties. These are also called like hen and stag dues, I believe, or hen parties, stag nights, things like that. Basically the tradition is all the guys go out uh, with the groom, all the women go out with the bride and just sort of have like a crazy last night celebrating like, woohoo, it's your last night of singledom. Um, that tradition has definitely changed a lot over the years. It's less about one last night of freedom and more just about like having fun with your friends, celebrating the fact that you're getting married, that you're moving on from this phase in your life that's like all about your girlfriends or all about your guy friends. And now you're kind of moving into this like couple dumb. Um, however, of course, that doesn't fit every couple, right? A lot of couples get married, you know, maybe you're the last of your group of friends to get married. Everyone else is already coupled off. Maybe you have three kids. Maybe this is your third marriage. <laughs> like, maybe it doesn't make sense for you to be getting wild in the pubs downtown at three in the morning. Maybe that's just not your scene. And I think that is totally fine. Um, I also, you know, recent trends have made bachelor and bachelorette parties way bigger than just going out for a wild night on the town. It's now become, you know, taking these long weekends, leaving the country, getting on a plane, booking hotels, having, you know, dinner reservations every night, needing to have matching outfits and goodie bags for everyone who's come. And it's become a thing where people are literally spending thousands of dollars needing to take time off work, needing to put all of this effort into planning. And I did a whole episode on this episode 74 called bachelorette parties have gotten out of control. And I truly, <laughs> this is the hill apparently I will die on. I truly think bachelorette parties have become way too much. I think it is absurd that we are asking our friends to take, you know, time off work, pay thousands of dollars to go away on some weekend to celebrate us, to buy matching outfits, to chip in on gifts and decor and, you know, pay for our drinks and restaurants and like, it's just, I think it's too much. Like, I can't imagine asking my friends to do something like that. And I know a ton of you are saying, but, 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 like, there are so many exceptions to this, right? Like, if you and your girlfriends are the type, and I'm, I'm just speaking to the girls here because that's what I usually see. I know guys do this too, so I'm sure bachelor parties are getting just as, as wild. <laughs> um, but if you and your friends are the type who, like, every year you go on a trip together, then that's amazing. If you have always talked about going to Nashville or Cabo or Vegas or Napa or whatever it is, and this is like your dream trip altogether, amazing. If you all have a ton of extra cash and this is where you want to spend it, amazing. Like there are lots of people who love these moments. It's more for the people who are kind of forcing their friends like, hey, you know, I asked you to be a bridesmaid. I never told you how much it was going to cost. You've already paid for a dress. You've paid for a gift. You, you know, you bought me an engagement gift. You bought me a wedding shower gift. You're going to buy me a wedding day gift. You're paying for your hair and makeup. You're buying shoes. You're buying jewelry. You're paying for a hotel the night before my wedding. You're paying for a hotel the night of my wedding. Um, there's these, you know, matching t-shirts I want us all to buy. You have to wake up super early to be, you know, part of my photo shoot. And now we're also going on this big weekend and it's going to cost a ton of money and you have to stay at this house with six other girls you don't know. You have to take a few days off work. You have to pay for your share of the house, my share of the house, all of these nights out. You have to buy these special outfits. We're going to go drinking every day, all these things. You know, it's just 
I understand for some people that sounds awesome and that's like a great weekend, but I think you know your friend group best. And like me, I am cringing. That whole thing sounds horrible. I don't want to do any of that. And I would never ask my friends to do any of that because that's just not the kind of friends we are. And I think if you are also feeling that, like you see these pictures on Instagram or read, you know, these stories about bachelorette weekends and they just sound like not your thing, not what you and your friends would be into, not something you want to put your money into, then I think you really should push back on that. I think a bachelorette or a bachelor party should really come back to who are my closest people and what do I love to do with them? So that might look like a weekend in Tulum or whatever, you know, living it up, wearing cool outfits, getting awesome, you know, party picks, reservations at the best restaurants, going out, you know, staying in a luxury resort, if that's what that looks like, you know, if that's what you and your people love to do, and you can afford it, and everyone's happy with that plan, amazing. It might look like going away to your parents, um, you know, maybe they have a cabin or a timeshare, or there's an Airbnb somewhere that you can go to that's a little bit more affordable. Maybe it's doing a bar crawl in your local Um, you know, downtown of the local city where you already live. Maybe it's doing one of those paint nights where you drink wine and you paint. Maybe it's going on a hike. Maybe you guys are super active and you love to go um, hiking and you do a big, you know, day hike. Maybe it's baking. You have everyone over and you all make cookies all day long or you all crochet or you paint or you... I don't know, whatever hobbies people love to do. Maybe it's going for a picnic. Maybe it's going out to brunch. Maybe you have a staycation at a local hotel. So at least, you know, no one has to pay for flights or anything like that. Maybe it's a spa day. Maybe it's going out for pizza and playing board games. Maybe it's going horseback riding. Like there really are so, so, so many options that are not getting on a flight going away for four nights, going to a bunch of clubs. Like if that is not your scene, you absolutely do not have to do that with your friends for your bachelor or your bachelorette weekend. I think the key here is really clear communication with your group. So chatting with your friends, you know, whoever you do want to attend your bachelor bachelorette party, whether that's just the wedding party or if you're opening up that invitation to other people um, who are also coming to the wedding, I wouldn't invite people who aren't coming to the wedding. I think that's a little bit awkward because there's going to be a lot of like, woohoo, the bride talking about the wedding. Um, so if they're not invited to the wedding, that's uncomfortable. I don't think they have to be in the wedding party though. I think as long as they're guests, that's totally fine. But chatting with that group saying like, okay, what do we want to do? What are we comfortable with spending? How are we going to arrange this? How much time do we have? Like, do we want it to be one night, one day, a full weekend, a full week, a full, I don't know, a month. If you have friends who have, you know, super, (laughs) super relaxed schedules and they can take a whole month off to celebrate you. That might be a bit much, Um, but really getting very clear because there's so much, I think this is where that drama of a wedding party really comes in. There's so much like extra tension and drama in there when you're asking a group of people who don't know each other to plan an event and everyone needs to get on the same page about how much they want to spend and how long they want to go for and where they want to go and what they want to do and, you know, what they're comfortable with. And I think there's a a chance, especially if you do have a larger wedding party and they don't all know each other, there's a chance that some people are feeling really left out or um, uncomfortable with what's been planned. So get super clear, get on that communication. Don't just throw this to your maid of honor, best man, person of honor and say, hey, plan this thing, go for it. Like you get in there. You are the person who brought this group of friends together. So get in that group chat, talk to people one-on-one and say, hey, let's be super honest. You know, what do we want to do? What's going to be fun for us? Um, you know, your friends best suggest a few things that you think they would enjoy. I also think you want to get super clear and communicative with your future spouse. So in terms of, of course, just like what's appropriate, because, you know, sometimes <laughs> these parties can get a little wild. There can be, you know, 
dancers and, and things like that. So being really clear with your spouse about what's appropriate, what you're both comfortable with, um, but not only in terms of like, okay, how much skin do I get to see? But also in terms of like, hey, are you comfortable if I'm away for a full weekend or if I'm spending, you know, this much money, if you guys, you know, or sorry, I keep saying guys, uh, apologize for that it's a habit I'm working on. Um, but just getting comfortable, you know, how much uh, money are we comfortable spending? How long are we comfortable being away? Is, it, is this a good time for me to go? Just sort of speaking with your future spouse and making sure you're both on the same page. Um, I just think there's a lot of drama and a lot of things that can go wrong with a bachelor bachelorette party. And like I said, I'm boring. I'm in bed by like, well, I'm in bed pretty late, but I'm like not doing anything fun after 8 p.m. So um, to me, this, you know, not my scene, not really worth it. Um, but if it's something you're really into, definitely make sure you're keeping all of those lines of communication super open because I think there's a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong here. And I don't mean that to say like, don't have a bachelor, a bachelorette party. Absolutely. If you want one, have one, but just be super clear with yourself, with your future spouse, with your friends about what you want to do, what you're comfortable with, what you want to spend, how long you have, and making sure you're doing something that's actually fun that you love to do with your closest people and not just something that you've seen, you know, in social media over and over and over again. The next pre-wedding event I'd like to talk about is the welcome party. So this, once again, completely optional. You see this more in destination weddings. So if you're getting married in Dominican Republic with, you know, 50 people, and it's sort of you're asking everyone to come for a full weekend, usually you'd see on the first day, like, oh, we're doing a welcome party. Um, or even if it's, you know, a local wedding, but a lot of people are traveling in, sometimes there will be a welcome party for all of the out-of-towners. Again, my advice here would be keep it casual. You don't want this to turn into a mini wedding. Um, you're already having a wedding on, you know, whatever day you're having your weddings. You don't need the pre-wedding events to also feel like weddings. It's too stressful. It's too expensive. And it's also just kind of strange for guests if they're like, oh, actually, you know, the food at yesterday's event was way better. And like, oh, that was way more fun. And that was not to say that your welcome party should be crap and your food should be crap, but like the wedding should be the main event, right? So there's no need to sort of compete with your own wedding. The goal for a welcome party is very obviously to welcome people. You want to be able to mingle. You want to be able to say hi to everyone. You want to be able to, you know, walk around, see people. So I think that really lends itself to a very casual event. So again, this could be, hey, you know, meet us at this bar. We're going to buy first round. We're going to buy appetizers or, hey, come on over to my uncle Kevin's house. You know, he's got a great uh, backyard we're all going to hang out in. Hey, we're hosting a barbecue. Hey, we're going to be down at the beach. Um, it can be super, super casual. I don't think you need to host like a big sit down dinner. I don't think that's the vibe for a welcome party. You don't even have to pay for any everything, really. I think it's totally fine to just say, hey, we're doing, you know, welcome drinks. We're going to do first round of drinks or, you know, when you come in, everyone gets two drink tickets or whatever it is. Or, hey, we're going to do appetizers. Hey, we're going to do um, cake, snacks, punch, whatever you want to do. I don't think you need to host like a full dinner for everyone. People can go elsewhere to get their meal. I don't think you need to invite every single person. Again, this doesn't need to be a mini wedding. You don't have to have your entire wedding guest list at this party. It is totally fine to do it for like just the out of towners or something like that. If you are having a destination wedding, it's a little bit harder since it's, you know, everyone is an out of towner. In that case, maybe you do have to invite everyone. But again, just make it super casual. This doesn't need to be a mini wedding. You don't have to wear white if you don't want to. There's no pressure to like have, you know, a stunning outfit for all of 
of these pre-wedding events keep the main event what it what it is supposed to be the wedding day you don't have to have favors or goodie bags or welcome bags or anything like that all of that stuff is totally optional and if you're hearing me saying this and you're upset because you want to wear white and you want to make goodie bags and you want to invite everyone and you want to have a dinner then go for it but i'm just saying you have the permission to do it way more low-key the welcome party is another great event to hand off to an eager beaver family member. So again, if you have anyone in your family or even friend group who like really wants to host this, who wants something that they can sort of take over and run with, the welcome party is an amazing thing to sort of hand to them and say, okay, all yours. Next up is the rehearsal dinner. So this whole episode, I've been telling you all of these events are optional. The rehearsal dinner is probably the only one I would say is not so optional. And that I think if you are having a, you know, big wedding with a wedding party and you're asking them to, you know, do all these things for your wedding day. You know, you've got parents involved or other family members, chosen family who are helping out with your wedding day. You're asking them to come in to do a rehearsal. You know, maybe they have to arrive in town a few days early, meet you at your venue, do this full walkthrough, the whole, you know, wedding planning process. They've been with you the whole time. They've been choosing the outfits. They've been helping out. I do think a rehearsal dinner is a really, really nice way to thank them for everything that they've done, um, especially, you know, showing up to that rehearsal. It's also a really nice chance to just get on the same page with everyone, make sure everyone's, you know, in the same space and ready to go for the wedding that's usually the next day or the day after. And it's really nice to just have like those final moments with the people who really should be your nearest and dearest, right? The people in your wedding or the people who are really involved in the wedding. I actually did a whole episode on whether you need to have a rehearsal or a rehearsal dinner. That's episode number 71. So you can head back and listen to that if you're not sure if a rehearsal or a rehearsal dinner is uh, something that you want to do. For a rehearsal dinner, I personally don't think you need to invite every out-of-town guest. I think Emily Post would probably disagree with me on this one. There was some um, tradition that said, you know, in addition to the wedding party and the family, like the immediate family, you also need to invite all of your out-of-town guests to your rehearsal dinner. I don't think you do, um, especially if you are having like a welcome party or something like that. I think that's where you would see your out-of-town guests. Even if you're not having a welcome party, I don't think it's mandatory. I think it's nice. Um, but if you don't have the space, if you don't have the money, if that's not the kind of vibe that you want for your rehearsal dinner, I definitely don't think you need to invite all of your out-of-town guests or, or any other guests, really. I think it's mostly for your wedding party and anyone who is heavily involved in the wedding, you know, like your parents, grandparents, whoever. I still think the rehearsal dinner can be low-key, even though it is supposed to be, you know, thanking your um, family and your wedding party members for, you know, being there for you. I think you can do that just as sincerely, just as nicely serving pizza in your backyard or going out to, you know, like a Chinese restaurant and eating family style. I don't think it needs to be this thing that's super formal, you know, sit down, everyone, uh, white linen, everyone has to dress up and there's courses and servers coming by with wine and things like that. It really doesn't need to be this incredibly formal event. I just think it does need to be an event. I think you do want to say thank you to those people and all get on the same page. I do think the rehearsal is the most important part of this event. Again, go back and listen to that episode 71. I think having a rehearsal for your ceremony is super important, especially if you do have, you know, a lot of things going on. You have a big wedding party, you have uh, readers or, you know, different songs and different things you need to coordinate. I do think all of that is very important. And I think the emphasis of your planning should be more on the rehearsal, like making sure you have the space, you have all the people there, you know what's going to happen, or you have an officiant or a wedding planner who's leading that, and less about 
um, making the dinner this like super fancy event. Because I think a lot of people, when they go into planning their rehearsal and their rehearsal dinner, they mostly just plan the dinner and they just assume that the rehearsal is going to be fine. Um, and that's when you get a bunch of people like standing around in a parking lot being like, where do we go? What do we do? What's, what, what's happening? <laughs> um, which can be stressful. So I definitely would say you want to spend some time actually looking at the rehearsal side of things and not just the rehearsal dinner. I think a rehearsal dinner is great when it is a small group. I love the idea of being able to sit like all at one table so you can actually connect with everyone and thank them all for being there. You may not have that chance, you know, on the wedding day because things are going to be really busy. There's going to be tons of other people there running around, lots for you to do. So I love the idea of just like sitting down and really taking time to connect with these people and thank them. The rehearsal dinner, again, is a great option to have a family member host. I think traditionally it is the groom's family who hosts the rehearsal dinner. So if you have a super active family or friend member, friend member, <laughs> family member or friend who wants to take on hosting duties, I think this is a great opportunity to let them have the rehearsal dinner. You can let them know, you know, the kind of vibe you're going for, who you want invited, but they can absolutely host it if they want to. This is also a great time to add in some speeches. A lot of people are worried about having too many speeches at their wedding reception, which is definitely a valid concern. Nobody wants to sit there for like 45 minutes of speeches. So it's a great idea to add a few speeches into your rehearsal dinner. And again, this can be super casual. It can be someone standing up in your backyard, um, hitting their beer glass with their knife and starting a speech. It doesn't have to be a big formal thing. This is also a great time to give thank you gifts. If you've gotten thank you gifts for your wedding party, for any of your wedding donors, as it were, you know, parents, family members, whoever, um, hopefully you got them gifts. Again, they don't have to be expensive, but something meaningful. This is a really great time to give those gifts to uh, your important people. Again, on the wedding day, things are really busy. Time is really short. Things can get lost and forgotten. So this is a really nice time to give gifts. The one caveat I will say here, though, is if any part of your gift is like, here's this thing I want you to wear at the wedding in two days, I would maybe hold off on giving them that until the actual wedding day because <laughs> I've been in a couple wedding parties now and both times... Um, both times we were given gifts at the rehearsal dinner, somebody forgot the gift on the wedding day. Luckily, it was just like a small thing. It was like a necklace or a robe or something like that. But like the whole point of that gift was to be able to wear it at the wedding day, which again, I think I did a, an episode on this about how that's not really a gift if it's something you're asking the people to wear on your wedding day. Like if it's just for your aesthetic and to have nice photos, I don't know if that counts as a gift, um, but I'll leave that soapbox alone. <laughs> Uh, but if you are giving anything that needs to be used or worn or brought on the wedding day, I would actually hold off and give that on the wedding day just so nobody forgets it. Okay, finally, before I lose my voice, the last event here is actually a post-wedding event, but I thought it sort of fit into this category, and that is the post-wedding brunch. So we've seen this a lot, you know, you'd get married, let's say, on a Saturday night, and then Sunday morning, you would invite all of your guests to come for brunch um, at a nearby hotel, and that would be like another event that you're hosting. Um, I would say this is super, super optional. Nobody is living or dying by the post-wedding brunch. In fact, I think a lot of people don't enjoy these because, you know, they have to get up early. They have to look cute again. That can be tough. Um, but if you are having like a destination wedding or if you're doing a whole weekend wedding with a bunch of events, usually some sort of post-wedding breakfast, brunch, lunch is part of this, the celebration. 
My advice would be to, once again, make this super, super casual. People just came to your wedding the night before. They had a great time. They saw you all dressed up. They were all dressed up. There's no need to ask people to wake up again the next morning and start putting on makeup and doing their hair and zipping up into a nice dress. Like, make it super, super casual. You also want to make it very, very low commitment for you. Do not, do not, (laughs) I promise you, do not commit to getting up and organizing anything for this event. Like you should literally just have to show up and even then give yourself so much time. Like if you think you can get there by 10, make it 11. Um, Don't commit to bringing anything or decorating anything or organizing or putting together just none of that. You're not going to want to do any of it. Um, I am speaking from experience because for my partner and I, we decided the day after our wedding, we were going to do a lunch with our parents and our siblings just to thank them again for coming to the wedding, for helping out. Um, and that was a lunch. So not even early in the morning. And it was so tough for us to get there because we had to get up, check out of our hotel, go back to our venue, gather all of our stuff, go to our house, drop off all the stuff and then go to lunch. We were absolutely exhausted. And then later that day, we also had a dinner with some other friends who were still in town and we were just like wiped. (laughs) We we were so, so tired. So don't underestimate how absolutely exhausted you're going to be the next day. Um, So definitely make this as low key as possible. Delegate everything you can delegate, pay for anything you can pay to just have it get done. Start it later than you think. Um, just make it as easy on yourself as it can be. I think you can also make this like really low key. I don't think it needs to be like, Hey, we're having, you know, brunch at 11am. Make sure you show up and the reservations under our name and you can find your table and blah, blah, blah. I think it could be something as simple as, you know, if you happen to be staying at a hotel that has, um, free breakfast and a bunch of your guests are staying at the hotel, I think you could say, Hey, we're going to be at breakfast at 1030. We'd love to see you there. Come say hi to the new, um, Mr. And Mr. or whatever it is. Uh, you could say, hey, we're going to be hanging at the pool all day. Like if you're at, you know, an all-inclusive resort, you can say, hey, you know, all day Sunday, we're going to be at the pool. Make sure you stop by and like have a swim with us or grab some snacks. Maybe you pay to have like a few platters of snacks put out or something like that. Um, you could like hand out breakfast boxes at the hotel. You just sit in the lobby and, you know, hand out little to-go boxes with breakfast, whatever it is. It can be very casual and low key. It's basically just a chance to connect with your guests one more time after the event for people to come up to you and, you know, congratulate you once more, tell you how much fun they had, how great you looked, how good the food was, all that sort of thing. Just basically get loved on uh, even more. And it's super low key, low stakes. The wedding day is over. You're hopefully feeling uh, tired, but very relaxed. So I think just making it um, a really casual environment, you know, just asking people to come up and, and say hi to you instead of making it another formal event, I think is definitely the way to do it. You can also, again, this is super optional, so you don't have to have, you know, a post-wedding event at all. But if you do want to keep hanging out with people, especially people from out of town or people who are, you know, staying a little bit longer, I think just doing a bunch of small events with everyone is also a really good way to do this. That's what we did. We did have that lunch with our parents that night. We went out with some friends. Uh, later in the week, we went out with my godparents. So just anyone who's kind of in town, we would like have little meals with them over the week after our wedding. And that was so nice because we got to hang out with people one-on-one. So actually like, you know, sit down, have a full conversation, have a full meal with them, which usually at a wedding you don't get to do. And it was also lovely just to still kind of be on cloud nine. Everyone's saying like, oh, how are the newlyweds? How's married life? You know, they're talking to you about the wedding. They're telling you what they thought, which like, let's be honest, we all love that sort of thing. So I definitely encourage spreading it out and doing it more like one-on-one if that's something that you're able to do with your 
schedule or your destination or however things are working with your guests. Okay, before I completely lose my voice, I'm sorry, it's getting a little bit raspy here. Um, that is it. Those are all of my unconventional ideas for your engagement parties, your wedding showers, your bachelor bachelorette parties, your welcome parties, your rehearsal dinners, and your post-wedding brunches. I hope that was helpful. I hope that kind of got your creative juices going. Maybe you heard an idea that you're like, oh yeah, that definitely makes sense. I'm going to do that. Or I just gave you, I guess, permission to sort of push back on any of these um, parties or events or traditions that you're not really comfortable with. That's kind of the whole point of this show, giving yourself that permission to plan an event, a wedding or a pre-wedding event or a post-wedding event that really feels like you, that, um, you know, incorporates all of the things that you care about and none of the things that you don't care about. <laughs> so I hope that was helpful and I wish you all the best. Happy wedding planning. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. I really appreciate it, and I hope you found the episode helpful. If you really want to make my day, you can leave me a rating and a review, follow along so you don't miss the next episode, and tell a friend about the show. Remember, you shouldn't be spending your wedding day managing other people's feelings. <laughs>